Good day and welcome to another edition of Crossfaith Bible Ministries Bible Studies. We're going to begin a new chapter in the Gospel of John today. Today we'll be in John chapter 11. We'll be covering verses 1 through 12. And the title of today's lesson is The Death of Lazarus. So let's just jump into today's study. And starting in verse 1, we read, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Verse 2, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea again. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, but yet you are going back. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is a person who walks at night. They stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. So let's go back to verse one. And verse one begins and it starts off and it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany. So we look here and we see that there's two names that stick out in this text. And remember, names in the Bible, they have great significance. So let's look at this first name, Lazarus, right? Lazarus was a common, we know it as Lazarus, but really in Judaism, in, in Israel, Eleazar, that was his name, which means, Eleazar means God has helped, right? And this is exactly what we're going to see here in the lesson today, we're going to see that God Almighty, through his son Jesus, right? What is Jesus? Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, right? He's the Messiah. We're going to see that God will move through his son Jesus in order to help this man, Lazarus. And what kind of help will it be? We're going to find out that it's going to be a resurrection help. And let me tell you this. If, if you're going to have any hope in receiving the promises of God, right? then we all going to have to go through this resurrection help. In other words, you will have to receive God's grace, right? In, all, in other words, meaning that he will have to raise you and cause you to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the second name we see here is Bethany. And he, it's a Hebrew term. And in Hebrew, Beth means house. And Ani means of the poor. So Bethany, if you put it together, means the house of the poor or the house of the, the afflicted one. Now, 
I think is very interesting here. When Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he doesn't stay with the religious leaders, right? I mean, the religious leaders, right? They, they were very important people in Israel. They were the leaders of Israel, right? I mean, they, they, the Roman government was over them, but the Roman government didn't mess with the religious leaders. As long as the people paid their taxes and what? They didn't cause any trouble. The Roman government pretty much stayed out of it if they did those two things. So the leaders, you can say, were the physical and spiritual leaders. They had, a, they had money. They had power. They had authority, right? You would think that Jesus would stay with them, but he doesn't. Instead, Jesus stays outside of the city, and he stays on the Mount of Olives. Now, we know something about the Mount of Olives. This is going to be a very important place concerning Jesus, concerning Yeshua, right? And we also know this, that olive oil is produced there on the Mount of Olives, and oil was used for anointing. So this mountain is also called the Mountain of Anointing. So we can say that Messiah was the anointed one. Now, when you look at the book of Zechariah from the Old Testament, the prophets, Zechariah 14.4, we know that Jesus, when he returns to Jerusalem, he's going to go on this Mount of Olives. That's going to be the first place that he's going to touch, touch the ground. Zechariah 14.4 says this, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east and west, forming a great valley. That great valley is the ushering in into the millennial reign, into the kingdom of God, right? With half of the mountain moving north and the other half moving south. Now, we also know, according to Jewish tradition, that when the Messiah returns to the Mount of Olives, right, there's going to be a great event that's going to take place, according to tradition, the Jewish tradition, and that's the resurrection, right? The resurrection will be the Jews and the Gentiles that come to faith in Messiah during that tribulation period. So it shouldn't surprise us any, right, that when he came, he goes to Bethany because Bethany is located on the Mount of Olives. And he, we know this, that on the Mount of Olives, because of tradition, the resurrection is going to take place. He's going to raise people from the dead, right? He's going to do this to signify to Lazarus that he's going to do the same when he returns. So, he had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he also has the power to raise all of us from the dead. Amen? Especially those who believe in him. You're going to be raised and you're going to be with him in the kingdom of heaven, which will be the kingdom of God eventually. Because understand this. Everyone will be resurrected. The righteous will be resurrected and the righteous will be resurrected into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God. And the unrighteous will also be resurrected. But that doesn't happen not before the great white throne judgment. And that resurrection is the second resurrection. And that resurrection is for the ungodly. It's for the unholy. It's for the unrighteous. In other words, those people, the Bible tells us, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, right? The Lamb's book of life will be open. Their name will not be written in the book of life. But they're going to bow down on a knee. They're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And he's going to confess that he's king of kings. Hallelujah, right? So going back to the text today, we see that this text right here is telling us that this man named Lazarus, he was sick, right? But he also tells us that he's from Bethany. 
Well, we said that Bethany means house of the poor, house of the afflicted one, right? So we know that Lazarus comes from a background of being poor. Then it also says the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So this just tells us where they live. And they live in Bethany, which is located on the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who pur pur poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So we see that Mary anointed Jesus. But notice what the scripture tells us, right? She anointed his feet. Now, feet's important in scripture. Why is that? Because it goes back to the Levites. It goes back to the priests. When priests and Levites, right, would show up, they would immerse their entire body. However, sometimes they just would clean their feet. Because this shows service to other people. It shows service towards others. So she was anointing him, Jesus, right, for his ministry. Now, we know that. Messiah began his ministry at the age of 30. Now, remember what, what we always say. Number in the Bible is very, very important because the number 30 relates to death. So this is telling us here. It's showing us that he came to lay down his life. He came to die for us. And Mary anoints his feet, right, with this costly perfume. And she dries her hair with it now let's talk a little bit about her hair the apostle paul does a great teaching in first corinthians and he says that the hair of a woman brings glory onto her first corinthians eleven fifteen says this but if a woman has long hair it is glory to her so the fact that she dries his feet with her hair shows us and tells us that it's all her, her earthly, you can say, glory that she's putting upon Jesus, right? That she wants to place upon him. In other words, we can say that she placed her glory upon him in order to be set apart or to be apart, not set, but to be apart, I guess, of his earthly ministry. Amen. So the sisters in verse three sent word to Jesus and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we see now that the sisters sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is very sick, that Lazarus probably about to die, right? Now let's talk about this text right here that says, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now there's going to be some people, they look at scripture and they try to take scripture and they try to twist it and pervert it around to fit their narrative, right? To fit their lifestyle, right? And what am I talking about here? The one that you love, there's some people in the homosexual community, right, that takes this scripture and takes this verse and turns it around because they're trying to make them, this verse fit the lifestyle that they're living. And that lifestyle is an abomination to God, right? Because they say, oh, well, look, Jesus loved the man, right? But that's not the love that it means in this text. This text is simply saying, they're saying the one that you love, meaning his best friend, the one that he deeply cared for as a friendship, as his best friend. So when the scripture is saying that the two sisters are saying the one that you love, it's really his good friend, right? The one you really like, they're saying he is sick. And when Jesus heard this, 
in verse 4. Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So you see, they, they wanted him to respond immediately. That's why they sent word. They say, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, the one you love, the one you care for dearly, right? Your best friend. He's sick. He's about to die, right? So, so they know that Jesus is the only one that can heal him. They know that because they believe that he's the Messiah. They've seen the signs and miracles. These sisters believe. So they send word and they want Jesus to respond immediately, right? They, but Jesus says this. He turns to his disciples and he says, this sickness will not end in death. Now, he's speaking here of death, but in a different way than we know death, right? See, why do I say this? Because Lazarus is going to die. We're all going to die at one point in our life, at some point. So how is it that he can say this sickness was not on to death? You see, death can be used in a different way. And sometimes we hear that someone has died, right? And, and we're simply talking about one definition of death. What do I mean when the soul leaves the body? That's what I mean, right? But spiritually speaking, when you speak about death, this is when the soul goes to hell, right? In other words, you're separated from God. You're separated from the kingdom forever. So he's saying right here, when he says this death will not have any spiritual implications to Lazarus. That's what he's saying. He's saying that Lazarus will not eternally be separated from God. The sickness can't change his relationship with God. That's what Jesus is saying here. And the message is true for us. It's the same. See, we can struggle in an area in our life, right? Maybe with a sickness, maybe with a disease, maybe with an addiction, right? Whatever situation is that you struggle with, because we all struggle at some point with something. We need to realize that whatever we're struggling with has no power over our relationship with God. It can't damage. It, it can't affect that covenantal relationship if you really are and truly believe in the Messiah. If you really truly have a relationship with God through his son Jesus, it will never change going on with the scriptures continuing on no it is for God's glory Jesus says now this is this is what should be of interest to us right it is the glory of God we should never never allow negative things negative situations right negative people affect our lives when it comes to God when it comes to his kingdom because if we're disciples of Christ, right, then we're to lead people into his kingdom, which means he gets all the glory. He gets all the honor, right? So we should not allow negative things to affect our lives, to turn us away from, from being a vessel, from being an instrument. In other words, to get more people into his kingdom, right? Why? Because Jesus, the Son, and the Father, they deserve all the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So that God's son may be glorified through it, right? Speaking about his divinity when he says God's son. This means the divinity of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he talks about love of the two sisters and Lazarus here, this is, this is not just a regular love, right? It's an agape love, right? It's a love that, that, that is giving. Right. And, and this love is a love that God wants us 
to demonstrate in our lives for other people, for one another. We should be, we should be having this agape love for everyone, to get everyone into the kingdom, right? To be compassionate and merciful, to show forgiveness, right? So when he heard in verse 6 that Lazarus was sick, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Now remember, numbers are important in Scripture. And two right here tells us that there's two different opinions about what's taking place. There's two different ways to look at it, to think about it, right? The first, the sister sent word to Jesus saying that the, the one you love, right, Lazarus, our brother, one you love, he's dying, he's sick. So what they, what, what's telling us is showing us that they want Jesus to hurry and come on back over to heal him before he dies because they know Jesus is the only one that can heal him, right? But we also see where Jesus does what? Jesus stays where he's at for two more days, right? Now, why does he do that? Because we're going to see that there will be people there, right, that, that, that is going to notice or be present when this miracle takes place. I'm talking about Lazarus being resurrected, being brought back to life, right? And when people see this, right, they're going to respond in a way where Jesus is, knows this and he's saying he's staying there because I want people to see him resurrect, him come back to life so they can have faith and they can believe. In other words, so they can respond to the calling of his ministry. But we're also going to see that there's some people that are there still what? They still don't believe. They still don't change. Talking about the religious leaders, right? Verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, after two days, let us go back to Judea again. Now, this word again is to emphasize on what had taken place earlier in Judea. And what was that, you say? Well, you're going to see in a second that the disciples are going to ask Jesus, why are we going back to Judea? Why are we going back to Jerusalem? Why do we want to go back? Because the last time you was there, they wanted to stone you. They wanted to kill you. So when it says again, it's emphasizing what had took place earlier, meaning the religious leaders wanted to stone Jesus. But what happened? Jesus escaped. Why? Because it wasn't his time to die, we had said, right? So many of the miracles that Jesus did, right, it captured the attention of people, including the leadership. Now, they knew this man was about change. The leadership did. They knew about Jesus and that Jesus was about change. But the problem was this. They didn't want to change themselves, right, because they liked their position. They liked their power. They liked the authority. They liked their status. They liked the money, right? They, they didn't mind living under Roman rule because the Roman government allowed them to keep their positions. And because of that, they become comfortable with it, right? So they didn't want what Jesus was teaching. They didn't follow what Jesus was saying. See, Jesus was looking for righteousness. Jesus was looking for holiness because that's what God wants. That's the purpose of God in our life. He wants us to live the same way. He wants us to live a righteous life and a holy life. Now, are you going to sin? Absolutely. But when you're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's going to convict you. You need to repent. You need to come back right away to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So we can say that both the Roman leadership and the religious leaders, they were not living under the purposes of God. That's why the, the religious leaders, they never changed. They were living in the flesh and for the flesh. 
Because the entire nation, the, 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 the entire Roman government, the entire religious leadership, they were all corrupt. And remember, John the Baptist, he was teaching and he was preaching in the wilderness, right? But where he was before he went in the wilderness, the scripture tells us he left the temple area because of the corruptness that was going on, because of what was taking place in the temple. He saw through all of this, right? So what he did, he leaves. He, he goes to the Jordan in the wilderness and he begins to preach about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is there because he was paving the way for Jesus. He's a prophet. God used John the Baptist to pave the way. And he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. He's saying that Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. But he left the temple area and he went preach about the kingdom. He went preach about repentance. Why? Because of the corruptness of what was going on inside the temple. He's seen through it. Verse 8. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were, they're trying to stone you. And yet you're going back. So they say rabbi. And remember, rabbi means teacher. But it also means the great one. And we know that Jesus is the great one. Amen. They say a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. But yet you're going back. Now, Jews are speaking about the religious leaders here. So we see that the disciples are confused here. They really don't understand why Jesus wants to go back to, to Judea. They really don't understand why Jesus wants to go back to Jerusalem. They say, they just try to kill you, but yet you're going back. And Jesus answered them in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. So when he says 12 hours of daylight, the number 12 means something here. The number 12 is speaking about the tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel. So we can assume or we can say here what the scripture is telling us is that Jesus is going back because of his commitment to Israel. His commitment to the people of Israel. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus was sent into this world for the lost sheep from the nation of Israel. Now, there are some people that really, they don't like this, right? They get upset with this. But it's biblical fact. It's biblical truth, right? See, we need to realize and we need to come to the understanding that it is only when Israel gets right with Jesus. It's only when Israel acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah that they miss that God's great blessings will come upon the nations of the world. You see, we should all pray. For God to move on Israel and bring them back to obedience earlier than later. Why? Because when they accept Jesus as the Messiah, right? Then the kingdom will be established. Then Jesus' the second coming is going to be here. Because they're going to look up at the one that was pierced, the Bible tells us. And they're going to cry out. And they're going to know that they were wrong. And, and they're going to see that they were wrong. And when Jesus steps foot on the Mount of Olives, we know that the Mount of Olives splits into two. There's a valley form, and that valley ushers in the millennial reign, that thousand-year millennial reign and rule, where Jesus will rule from Jerusalem with an iron fist, and the church will be like ambassadors to Jesus, helping him rule. Anyone who walks in day, daytime will not stumble, Jesus says. 
This means that they will not come in contact with obstacles. In other words, they will have discernment, you can say. See, daylight means light. And John, the Apostle John, mentions light quite often in his gospel. Why? Because it is light that brings God's order into this world. Remember, John, when, I, when we first started the Gospel of John, I said, John is always going to go back to the book of Genesis. And he quotes back from the book of Genesis. And if you remember, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us that the earth was formless. It was void. It was empty. It was dark. But God said something. God said, let there be what? Light. And there was light. Now, we know that Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, is the light of the world. And we know that because light brought order to God and formed this world, formed this universe, formed this earth, we know that Jesus in the same way brings order into our life. He brings light and order into our life. Amen. So scripture continues and says this, for Jesus says, for they see by this world's light. So he's speaking right here of himself right? Because he's the light of the world. He's saying, because I am the light, right? You come to me and you will have light, which means you will have life. I will bring order into your life. Jesus Christ is the only one that can do that. Yeshua. Verse 10. It is when a person walks at night, Jesus says that they stumble. This means a person's not walking in God's truth. They're, they're rejecting the truth. They're rejecting Jesus as the Messiah, right? They turn away from the truth. And that's what the religious leaders were doing. For they have no light, Jesus says. You know what he's saying? They're lost. This tells us that we need the revelation of God, meaning the Holy Spirit, in us. And unless we have the Holy Spirit, unless we have that light in us, right? And how do you have that light? By having a relationship in him. If you don't have that, then you will stumble. That's what he's telling us. Verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, let's talk about this word sleep. Falling asleep or sleeping, right? Now, we know Lazarus, he's going to die, right? But what I want you to see here is that this word sleep or asleep and both the Old Testament and the New Testament is often talked about. You can find it. It is in reference to someone who is dying. You see, in Judaism, and many of the prayers that they speak daily is concerning physical death. And it speaks about sleeping. Why? Why it speaks about sleeping? Because of a hope of a resurrection. You see, death is associated with sleep. Because when you go to sleep, you're expected to do what? To get up. So therefore, when you die, we can expect what? To get up. We can expect the what? The resurrection. Continuing on with the scripture. But I am going there to wake him up. Now, the disciples, they're not thinking like Jesus is thinking. They're thinking more like the Pharisees. They're earthly, right? That's their thinking here, right? So because they think that Lazarus has just fallen asleep, like he's taking a nap, right? That's what they think. 
And Jesus is going to go there to wake him up. But that's not what Jesus means. Jesus says, I'm going there to wake him up. They think in the physical, but Jesus is speaking about the resurrection here. That's what Jesus is speaking about. His disciples, the last verse for today, said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. So we see here that they are thinking in the flesh. They're, all, they're thinking in the physical form, the physical aspect of it, because they, they think if he gets rest, he's going to get better. In other words, the body's going to recover. So you see, just like the religious leaders, the disciples, they don't understand what Jesus is talking about as well. Why? Because they think like the Pharisees, like the religious leaders, they're walking in the flesh. They aren't thinking kingdom-minded. They aren't speaking or thinking from a spiritual aspect just as Jesus is. So as disciples, we need to take the scriptures and we need to look at it from a spiritual aspect, from a spiritual standpoint. And that's why when people say, oh, I don't understand what the Bible says, right? So I don't read it. So when someone picks up the Bible without having Bible study or without learning the scriptures or without God revealing to them what it says, then they take a scripture and they turn it around because they're thinking in the physical aspect, in the physical form. But that's not how God, through the prophets and Jesus himself, especially in the Gospels, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not talking never in the physical, but always in what? The spiritual. Always from a kingdom perspective, amen? So, <clears throat> we see that they're still, the Jews today, they're still waiting for their Messiah to come, right? See, Judaism during this time period, and still today, they didn't believe that Jesus came. They, they knew that Jesus was there, but they thought he was just a teacher. Some called him a prophet. But they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. In other words, the Messiah is here to help this world, right? The Messiah is here to what? To make sure that we are resurrected into the kingdom. That is through him. That we can have fellowship, right? That, 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 that we can be in that kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. So because they're thinking in the flesh, his disciples even, they miss out on what Jesus is really trying to teach them. The meaning of what Jesus was saying. Because they aren't kingdom-minded. And remember, the Jewish leaders, they had turned away from the truth. They had rejected Jesus. They turned away from the Torah. They turned away from the prophets. And what they wanted to do was embrace the traditions of the elders. And because of this, they followed man-made rules. They followed man-made laws, right? And because of this, because they reject truth, because they reject Jesus, they're lost. They're in darkness, just what Jesus said earlier. So it's telling us here and it's teaching us that we need to embrace truth. We need to put the word of God first. We need to put Jesus first because Jesus is the truth. And how do we do that? By having an intimate relationship with him. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the second section of John chapter 11. Until, until next week, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Go bless someone this week. God bless.